Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Willis Newton and his three brothers are not, for the most of us, as easily identifiable as Pretty Boy Floyd, Babyface Nelson, or Al Capone. They certainly weren't as renowned as Bonnie and Clyde. But that may go a long way toward explaining why Willis Newton and his gang were just about infinitely more successful than any of those others. For much of their career, nobody, even the cops, knew who the Newtons were. In a blink of about five years in the 1920s, the Newtons, and an occasional accomplice, pulled off some 70 bank heists, give or take a dozen, and ripped off six trains, including a single haul of somewhere around $3 million. It remains the largest train robbery ever. Accounting for inflation, that single $3 million take in 1924 would be a $53 million getaway today. As old men, after their thieving was mostly over, they surfaced in a 1975 documentary, coming off as both proud and practical. Willis said, straight face to the camera, just like a doctor and lawyers and everybody else, it was our business to do that. The youngest of the Newton brothers, Joe, even made his way onto Johnny Carson's The Tonight Show in 1980 and was downright charming. When Carson asked him about his appeal to women as a bank robber, Joe said, well, if you've got a good car and a pot full of money and you're a young man, yeah. 
However, in 1979, Willis Newton, just a few months before his death at the age of 90, sat down in his home in Uvalde, Texas, for a wide-ranging and sometimes contentious interview about his life and crimes with historian and author G.R. Williamson. For the article this episode is based on, How Stuff Works spoke with Williamson, who walked away from that interview with an entirely different impression of Willis. He said, I truly believe he was a flat-out evil person. The four Newton boys, Willis, Wiley, a.k.a. Doc, Jess and Joe, were the sons of poor Texas sharecroppers. Growing up at the turn of the 20th century, they mostly left school early and fell into petty crimes and stints in jail. Willis was about 25, with a lengthy rap sheet already to his name, when he first robbed a bank, making off with about $4,700 from a job in Klein, Texas. That's about $144,000 in today's dollars. And in 1916, with some other outlaws, Willis took a share of around $10,000 from a robbery, about $295,000 today. Willis was hooked, and he eventually brought his brothers into the new family business. Early on, as the brothers and occasional accomplices lined up jobs, Willis laid down some ground rules. Williamson said, They were full-blown criminals, but here's the thing. Willis had the wisdom to know that if they killed somebody, that would change everything about how the police came after them. So it was his mandate to his brothers that they never kill anybody. It's a rule that may have been broken. Uh, They were involved in a few messy gunfights. In Canada, in a rare daytime heist, they were involved in a shootout during morning rush hour that sullied their reputation for clean hits and easy getaways. But normally, with a little preparation, plus some nitroglycerin perhaps to blow the door off of his safe, the Newtons would be on their way quick and quiet, loot in hand. At its height, the gang was the four brothers and an explosives expert by the name of Brent Glasscock. And they robbed banks and trains across Texas, Oklahoma, through the Midwest, and even into Toronto, Canada. On at least one occasion, they robbed two banks in one day. Williamson said, Compared to the Newtons, Jesse and Frank James were mere amateurs. Butch Cassidy was a small fry. The Newtons made blowing safes and robbing trains a big business. They wanted to fly under the radar. They didn't want notoriety. Bonnie and Clyde, they had actual photographs of them, and they did all sorts of stuff that kept taunting the police. So did Pretty Boy Floyd. Because the public did not know what the robbers that were doing these bank jobs and train robberies looked like, The Newtons weren't having to run from the law. At one point, Willis said, we wasn't mugs like Bonnie and Clyde. We was just quiet businessmen. What we wanted was the money. It helped, too, that the Newtons mostly did their work at night. They didn't generally barge into banks branching shotguns. And banks, compared to today, were much easier to rob. Many of the banks that the Newtons knocked over were in small towns with little security. Williamson said, Remember, the only communications in the 1920s was telegraph and telephone, no internet, no national database of fingerprints, no national database of mugshots or anything like that. So they could pull these things off and nobody knew it was the Newtons. In between jobs, when it was convenient, they'd go back to the family home in Uvalde and lay low until they needed more money. Williamson said, the general opinion of the people in Uvalde at the time was that All the Newton boys were near-do-wells. They were probably up to criminal activity, but nobody knew that they were the robbers. 
When they were on business trips outside of Texas, they'd stay in the nicest hotels and eat at the best restaurants. At least two of the brothers regularly attended sporting events like the Kentucky Derby and Indianapolis 500. They spent lavishly until their money ran low, then planned the next job. The Newton gang's biggest heist, that $3 million one, was also the one that brought them down. It was a train robbery outside of Chicago, Illinois. On June 12th of 1924, the Newtons, along with Glasscock and a few newcomers, stopped a train on its way to dropping off cash to several banks along its route. The gang quickly loaded 63 bags of loot into four stolen cars. But in the confusion of the nighttime raid, and after a train brakeman escaped and alerted authorities, Glasscock mistook Doc Newton for a guard and accidentally shot Doc several times. The men all got away, placing the wounded Doc atop bags of cash, but authorities quickly found the men. A corrupt postal inspector who was in on the job gave himself away under wiretap, a tip that led authorities to the doctor who had treated the wounded Doc. Willis made it across the border into Mexico, and Jesse escaped for a while to Texas, along with about $35,000, that's $621,000 today, money that was never officially found and is the source of some local legends about buried treasure. But at the time, within months, everyone involved was arrested and headed to trial, including the convalescing doc, who was taken into the proceedings on a stretcher. However, although eight men were convicted in the end, and the amount of money that they stole was enormous, most of their sentences were light, and all were eventually released on good behavior. Later in life, Doc and Willis tried to rob a bank in Rowena, Texas, when Doc was well into his 70s and Willis was 80. But the Newton brothers spent the rest of their lives mostly on the right side of the law. Their exploits are now often considered, when the Newtons are acknowledged at all, as brothers simply trying to make a living. Willis told his documentarians, I knew all them bankers was rich and they didn't care about hurting us poor farmers, so why should I care about hurting them? Why shouldn't I steal from them? It's just one thief stealing from another. But the romanticized story, as told by Willis, his brothers, and many historians, isn't necessarily the true one. Williamson points out that in at least a few of their robberies, a lot of gunplay was involved, and the lack of planning could have been disastrous. He said, A majority of the times when they got into these robberies where they actually had guns out and so forth, they screwed up so bad they should have been killed. Willis was good at planning, but the execution sometimes was completely out the window. In his research, Williamson uncovered damning newspaper accounts of a shootout during one of their train robberies in Illinois, in which he claims a black porter by the name of Moon died three days after the robbery from gunshot wounds. Though the Newtons swore they never killed anyone, that may not have been the case. The last living member of the gang, Joe, died in 1989. Today, the Newtons retain their status as folk heroes to many. There was even a dramatized film made about them in 1998. And they remain, unquestionably, the most successful bank robbers the country has ever seen. Joe told Carson in 1980, We was crazy for doing it, but you're young then. Today's episode is based on the article, The Newton Boys Were the Baddest Bank Robbers You've Never Heard Of, on HowStuffWorks.com, written by John Donovan. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. 
for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.